somebody has to speak out for them because their message is very important and they are screaming a warning to America there's and, and to Canada to everybody who loves freedom they are screaming a warning that if you look at what's happening to me and you do nothing you're next I am a husband a father a lawyer a Christian and a proud Canadian I started this series because it was clear that our nation needs truth not just another biased narrative but real information of substance we need access to facts and the freedom to think for ourselves i'm leighton gray and this is gray matter hello everyone welcome to another episode of gray matter well today we have a very important show on a topic that is of concern should be of concern to many canadians and also to many americans um many people during the 1950s and 60s uh, had to experience the sort of communist arrogance of having the moral high ground. And during that Cold War period, people like Khrushchev and others talked about capitalist decadence, the decadence of the West. Well, the truth of that was exploded in 1973 when a man named Alexander Solzhenitsyn published a series of books in three volumes called the Gulag Archipelago. And what we discovered to our horror, but perhaps not to our surprise, was that throughout the Soviet period, especially during the Stalinist period, that in fact the Soviets were engaged in a systematic persecution of political dissidents. And once, once that was revealed, of course, uh, that started a conversation in the West about, about such things. But what's been happening more recently is we're discovering that these Soviet tactics have made their way to the West. And so our guest today is Tim Rivers, and he's involved with a group that has produced uh, a really, really incredible new book about some men in the United States who are being persecuted in this way because of the January 6th incident. So thanks very much for being with us today, Tim. It's great to have you on the program. Thank you, Lionel. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, this yeah. is a strange time for both of our countries, I think, really, America and Canada. Yeah, it really is. We're going to talk about that and the importance of it and the importance of the, the work that your group is doing and this book and also another book, a follow-up book that's coming out in December. Yeah. Before we go there and dive in, uh, we're going to, uh, we're going to uh, talk about our framing aphorisms, uh, which is a feature of our show. The first one is uh, from Nelson Mandela the late Nelson Mandela, who said, it is said that no one truly knows a nation until one has been inside its jails. A nation should not be judged by how it treats its highest citizens, but its lowest ones. Next one is from Russian author, 19th century author, Fyodor Dostoevsky, who wrote that the best way to keep a prisoner from escaping is to make sure he never knows he's in prison. Yeah. Next, from uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who we mentioned off the top of the show, who wrote, a society based on the letter of the law and never reaching any higher fails to take advantage of the full range of human possibilities. The letter of the law is too cold and formal to have a beneficial influence on society. Whenever the tissue of life is woven of legalistic relationships, this creates an atmosphere of spiritual mediocrity that paralyzes man's noblest impulses. And finally, from the best book of all, Hebrews, Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners and those who are mistreated as if you, you yourselves were suffering. Okay, so who do we have on the show today? Tim Rivers. Tim is a native of Florida. 
He's a retired IT engineer and writer. With an early background in television and broadcasting, he found a joy in writing for its own sake, which is exemplified in this book that we're going to talk about. Whether it was fictional or technical works, Tim and his wife, Terry, live in the beauty of the Florida nature coast and enjoy exploring its natural wonders. And today he provides a voice to the silence through his telegram channel, The American Gulag Chronicles, which is also the name of the book we're going to talk about. And he speaks out for equal justice and liberty in America. The book is called The American Gulag Chronicles. Uh, and this is what we're going to talk about today. But perhaps before we dive into the book, Tim, I wonder whether you wouldn't mind providing our viewers and listeners with a basic summary of the January 6th situation, what actually happened, and also the agenda uh, that is being fought in the United States. You know, it's it's amazing because our, our both of our countries have elections, right? And elections are very important. We've, we've heard over and over again, elections have consequences. Um, and the 2020 election had consequences. I think many people doubted its veracity. Um, many people in the United States thought that there were so many things wrong with it that it needed to be invalidated and redone or, or at least examined. And that led to, um, to basically a large portion of the conservative community coming to Washington, D.C. to hear a number of patriotic speeches and probably the last time they would hear uh, number 45, President Trump, speak in public as president. Um, and that day was planned both to be, you know, very peaceful rallies and patriotic and uh, political speeches by both uh, pundits as, as well as celebrities, congressmen, representatives, and of course the president. And that's what happened that day. All, some people think it was over a million people, but I've seen the pictures and it filled the, it filled the mall from end to end and completely filled the front of the Capitol building and was still spilling out of the uh, of the area near the White House. This was an that's incredible re- that's throng. That's remarkable. Yeah. Bigger probably biggest throng of people that had really ever showed up for a political reason. Um and so I can imagine, you know, I I've been as a young man been in concerts where you were so shoulder to shoulder with people. The crowd moves left, you move left with the crowd, <laughs> move right. So when you get a crowd that big and everything is in momentum, many people this just were swept along with it. Um and mostly, for the most part, even though they were concerned as the news came out that um, they basically, you know, there were challenges to the election being properly raised by constitutional grounds, um, and yet there seemed to be some turbulence about whether or not it was going to go forwards. Somewhere along that line, the video showed that the police simply opened up on the crowd. They right. they fired tear gas. They they shot pepper spray. They fired exploding munitions into clusters of people who, as I mentioned, could not move. They were basically trapped in place. And that resulted in injuries. And and basically, you know, we're talking, I've had testimonies. uh, If you go to my website at j6patriotnews.com, listen to the interviews of these people who were there that day. Um, Some of them were basically in prayer circles with their heads bowed and praying. Some were singing. And they were basically, people, police just reached across the line and started bludgeoning them with batons and, and spraying them with and pepper spray. one woman died, didn't she, Tim? Two people uh, as a died. Result, that yes. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, the one most known that everybody hears about is Ashley Babbitt. Ashley Babbitt was an right. Air Force veteran, um, an unarmed female who was basically climbing through a window and was basically shot down um, without right. provocation. In most cases, we that would be either murder or manslaughter. In this case, the individual got a congressional medal. 
um, out in the crowd, in, in the tunnel, where all of this compression was taking place, a, a phalanx of police officers basically tried to push the crowd back and trap them inside about a 10-foot space. And people were literally being knocked over and trampled by the crowd. Again, imagine this press of people that nobody can move. And it's pressing forward and the police are pressing backwards. And people were falling down and being trampled to death. Uh, at the same time, they were being repeatedly pepper gel sprayed, beaten with batons, tear gas. Um, the videos are out there. Uh, again, for a long time, we've all said, show us the video, show us the video. Now you can see the videos. They're, they're coming out. There's many places where you can look at them. Again, front page of my website, j6patriotnews.com. Mm -hmm. Many locations where you can go look and make your decisions for yourself. But it appeared, it appeared that day that the police instigated a riot. It was a police incited riot, which really got out of control. Right. Um, two other people in the crowd died after being hit with those exploding munitions. They had heart attacks and could not get proper care in the middle. And they also expired. So four people in total died that day. And none of them were police officers. I, I really want to make sure yeah. that all of our Canadian audiences understand yeah. that because mainstream media has told a different story. Yes. But the only four people yes. who died that day were protesters. And two of them appear to have been murdered. Incredible. Isn't it true uh, also, Tim, that there were members of Antifa uh, that were planted in the crowd to try and stir them up and try to get them to, to, to advance on the Capitol? Or am I getting ahead of the narrative? No, you're not. And we hear more and more of it. You know, now, we do have videos of, of Antifa members basically taking off their black block uniforms and putting on MAGA hats and also doing the reverse after after incidences of uh, right. violence that took place. Yeah. So basically yeah. going from one uniform to the other in order to disguise themselves. And yeah. I recently had an incredible interview with the J6er who just got out of jail or got off of his sentence of seven, uh, I believe it was seven months who tells a story of being escorted out of the congressional tunnels after being arrested. And this was like 6.30, 7 o'clock at night, long after most of the protesters were broken up and gone and the guard had responded and things were back to normal. As they were being escorted out through the tunnel, there were a number of J6ers, including Victoria White and, and this individual, and three BLM activists who had been brought in beat to a pulp and covered in pepper spray. They had obviously been in heavy altercation with the police. They were contused and bruised. They are covered right. in spray. Nobody wanted to get near them because you just, they were so badly coated. And as they were walking through this tunnel, Stacy looks down and he sees down the length of the tunnel is covered in black block clothing with BLM logos and Antifa logos and face masks really? and just the whole length of the tunnel. Now, remember that this is a restricted congressional zone and there are cameras up and down the length of this tunnel. And right. so my question is, uh, when you ask about was Antifa and BLM in there, well, it looks to me like if they use those tunnels, they were inside the Capitol, not outside yeah. the Capitol. We've even heard about, uh, there's been some video uh, showing that certain people were actually uh, allowed into the premises and given tours, and that later on they were they were charged uh, and, and and processed as uh, you know as terrorists. Um, and then w there was also a recent recent story about uh, one man who was not even there, but he received a sentence. It was like a life sentence, I believe, of twenty two years. He was not even there. He was he was charged and convicted of essentially of of conspiracy. Uh, related to the January 6th event. So 
uh, really a lot of really strange things going on surrounding this January 6th event and really uh, in violation of the rule of law. Is that a fair assessment? Oh, it is. It's, it's absolutely constitutionally violations of of not only your first and and, uh, and fourth and fifth amendments, the way some of these people were arrested. And we'll get to that because yeah. it's very horrific the way the federal authorities decided to treat these people as if they were ISIS. Um, right. And I guess really what, what we're concerned about the most is the overreach of authority in America has gone beyond what most of us can understand. Um, right. It is a powerful political narrative that is playing out within our justice system, which is supposed to be isolated and insular from that yes. type of influence. Um, mm -hmm. we, in America, we have a three-pointed system. We have our right. Congress, we have our judiciary, we have our executives. And they're supposed mm -hmm. to balance, to check and balance each other and not allow one or two to seize control of the system. Right. But in this case, that appears to be what's happened. And and the outcome is exactly as our founding fathers of America warned us it would be. It, it is a rapid and, and brutal tyranny. And these gentlemen and ladies of J6, and right now I'm very close to 1,200 arrested, and they're not stopping. That many, 1,200, wow. We are two and a half years past the event, and the FBI is still rounding people up for basically walking around outside the Capitol. Yeah. And these are mothers, fathers, uh, military veterans, grandmothers, <laughs> people, just everyday people from all walks of life are just being rounded up and, and arrested. Um, it's, it's, it's almost like a, a witch hunt. But I want to go back, Tim. Uh, one of the questions that, that I wonder about in, in watching the, the whole January 6th situation unfold is how did people end up inside the Capitol building? How did that unfold? Most of them, for the most part, were invited in. Right. Um, you, you again, I, I you know, <clears throat> we can talk about this and tell people what we've heard and what we've seen and what we've read because you know that's that's our job as journalists is to try and relate this. But right. the reality of it is, there's nothing more telling than somebody telling relating it to you in the first person to tell you what happened to them as they saw it, as they experienced it, and what's happening to them right at the moment. And that's what yeah. these interviews do. I, I can't I can't really stress how powerful they are in relating yeah. truth versus you hearing what what you've heard from the narrative from mainstream press, from people like CNN or Fox or um, or, or even, you know, the, the federal government's January 6th unselect committee who right. produced this Hollywood style report that that was absolutely had nothing to do with the truth. Yeah, um, it, it was uh, as doctored as a as a Bruce Willis film. Right. Um, and so I, I guess that is our dilemma in America. And when we look at what happened, by the way, we were all very strident supporters of the convoy. Um, and we we actually yes. tried to get our own convoy started <laughs> in America. Right. As, you know, yeah. I mean, what is it? Imitation is the greatest form of flattery. <laughs> um, and I still communicate with people from within that convoy group in Canada. Really? And I understand the persecutions that they're undergoing. Yeah. I understand the persecutions that that uh, vaccine deniers and COVID fighters are undergoing. Yeah. I understand yeah. the problems that religious institutions and, and priests and ministers are undergoing. This mm -hmm. is a world move towards a, a cultural that is devoid of religion, devoid of mm -hmm. faith, devoid of fidelity to country and, and to uh, patriotism. Yeah, and truth, yes. And so uh, you've actually done something about this. You're doing a lot about it. In fact, uh, you've, uh, you've, you and your group have created this book, The American Gulag Chronicles. 
And um, together with Marie Goodwin, uh, who is a J6 mother and activist, uh, you've created the J6 Patriot News, which tells America up-to-date information about the state and mistreatment of these patriots and how they can help them. And you founded uh, the American Gulag Chronicles and began publishing the letters, art, and stories of America's new political prisoners. And these are shocking stories, aren't they, Tim? Um, I think people would be amazed to learn about this. Um, and, and the book, I actually, in my research, uh, for example, perhaps you could tell us about some of these amazing people. Uh, maybe we'll start, could you tell us about Eric Clark? Well, Eric, so Eric's a really nice guy. He's a veteran. Let me, first of all, you know, point out that, um, that a lot of these individuals are veterans. In America, we have a, an active yeah. military, but no, you know. Is that a coincidence? A, I noticed no, that. It's, I, not. Yeah. Um, it's, it's basically when you look at those incarcerated right now, the number of those incarcerated who are veterans exceeds 70 to 80 percent. But 27 percent of all of the January 6th defendants um, at, at count last year were veterans. That's a huge number, yeah. folks, because only 7% of the U.S. population are active or retired veterans. Yeah. So you have a number four times the national population of veterans who mm-hmm. arose that day. And many people say, well, why? Why? It's because veterans take an oath to defend and protect the mm-hmm. Constitution of this country against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Yeah. And they felt that that maybe was what they needed to do that day to peacefully raise their voice in order to defend this country. Yeah. Um, and and really, it, many of us feel it was a very well-engineered trap. And, you know, you talk about veterans, not just veterans, but some of these people are really highly decorated people who have fought in, in multiple theaters of war, uh, been injured in combat. Um, really, you would think, you know, red-letter American, red-blooded Americans, you know, um, and uh, the last people that you would ever expect to be put in jail for their political beliefs. And maybe this is something that's, I would think that's one of the things that's maybe so astonishing and really frightening, shocking to to Americans, isn't it? I stand here almost two and a half years after I I left happy retirement, right? I don't know how happy it was, but it was (laughs) retirement. (laughs) And I wrote a letter to an individual, just went to patriotmailproject.com, randomly picked a J6er because I had been working with election integrity and I had found many things that disturbed me. Um, and, and I was convinced that these people were, were being used as pawns. And so I wrote, I just wrote to a random person and I got a letter back. And this is one of his letters that you can probably see his name is Jeff McKellop. He's a John yep. Jeff McKellop, political prisoner. Yeah. yeah. Jeff is a 22 year retired green beret, special forces veteran served on at least five continents um, is awarded three bronze stars. In the last 10 years, wow. he's been a State Department protective services person rescuing yeah. people. From- so, so basically the living embodiment of, of John Wayne. That's it. <laughs> Absolutely. I call him Lone Wolf, Mikel. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and Jeff is now sitting in a, in a prison in Fort Worth where um, he has been incarcerated either in the D.C. Gulag or in this this medical facility for uh, people of questionable mental facility, uh, which Jeff right. is not. <laughs> Jeff is right. the sharpest guy you're ever going to meet. Um, and, and he's been there for two and a, since March of 2021 and has not seen trial. Wow. I want you to think about that. So you're talking about now about Jeff McKellops. Is that right? 
Yeah, Jeff is and Jeff was one of the first people. Yeah. Jeff is what brought me into the fight. And one yeah. of the first people my wife and I adopted, we adopted three veterans in, in the D.C. Gulag. Jeff McKellop, James mm-hmm. McGrew, a Marine, and Barton Shively, another Marine. Um, so was it was it Jeff McKellop's or Kyle Fitzsimmons in the book? Uh, there's a picture. You'll know which what I'm, what I'm talking about, uh, entitled Home Sweet Home, where they actually draw a diagram of the holding facility uh, where they're being held. And uh, it, it, it just, it's just amazing to think that, that people are being held in a facility, in a facility like this uh, for no other reason that they attended a political uh, protest. And, they, and the conditions under which they're being treated are just awful. They really don't conform to the standards of American prisons, do they? No, they don't. If anything comes out of this, when we, when we pass through this fire, if there's still a Republic of the USA uh, standing, prison reform must be at the top of our congressional action. Mm. What has happened by turning the prisons of this country over to private entity, uh, to corporate run money havens, um, is just, it's abhorrent. And the J6ers have shown a light on that because they're now scattered across America. Again, go to my website, j6patriotnews.com. You'll find a map of the USA with pins on every place that they've incarcerated these people in America's new gulags. And it's a shame, really, because as you read these letters and you see and hear who these people are, you're going to wonder, you know, gee, did I go to church with that guy last week? Is this the fellow that we went fishing with yesterday? Is this the coach of my girl's baseball team? Because that's who these people are. They're Mm -hmm. police officers, they're teachers, they're ministers, they're a cross section of America, and they're being persecuted like many are in Canada today. Mm-hmm. for their beliefs and their their desire for liberty and freedom. Mm-hmm. This is what shocked me uh, when looking at, at the book and going through some of the, uh, you know, some of the biographies and the letters that are there is that, um, and, and I'm sure this is not, not by accident, the people who are being arrested and put into this, these gulags are people who would otherwise be community leaders. Yes. There would be otherwise people leading others in, you know, in peaceful protest or asking the kind of questions that need to be asked about abuses of government authority, of government overreach. Other kind of people are going to organize a peaceful protest, you know, on a Saturday. Um, and and that's that seems to be by design. Would you agree, Tim? I would. But the, the, the government of the United States has tried to vilify these folks by grouping them into what they kind of rename as a militant category. Right. We have a, we have an organization here in the United States and in Canada, by the way, there's there's members in Canada all over the place. There's members in Nova Scotia. There's it's members great to in, hear. It's called the Proud Boys. And what are they? Yes. They're a fraternity yes. of guys who like to drink and get together on the weekends away from the women and party. And that's it. Um, But they're also, many of them are veterans, and they took on the role of trying to protect MAGA attendees and rally attendees and speakers from the violence that BLM and Antifa were inflicting on them when they showed up to just do a peaceful rally or just have an event and and get basically stomped and stoned. And just people have been shot and stabbed at these rallies by these people. They are a violent leftist wing of the government, in my opinion. Yeah. But but. More so, these people go, they, they show up in, in like a little bit of a military garb. They might have a vest and a helmet. They're there to protect the speaker because the last time they were there, somebody got smacked in the head with a baton. And so they didn't go 
dressed to overthrow the government. They went dressed to protect the speakers at the rallies that were permitted. By the way, all of these rallies were permitted. And, and the you know, government now says, well, we revoked the permits. Well, nobody told the millions of people who had showed up to go to those rallies. Right. Uh, and so now they claim, well, you were trespassing, you know, with those right. permits. So it, it seems like a big trap. But the folks that the government is trying to single out, the Proud Boys, the, the, the Oath Keepers, the Oath Keepers are nothing more, folks, than what I just said. Somebody like myself who raised their hand and swore an oath to defend the country against enemies, foreign and domestic. It, it's an oath. Of, of fealty to your country. Canada's got one too. Yeah. And, and when you take yeah. that oath, it doesn't go away, especially if you're a military person. That oath is a lifetime oath. It does not go away. And these people, uh, because they are, are committed to this, because they're veterans, because this, this larger group of individuals were the first to stand up and the first to protect the, the defenseless that day, they're the ones that the government needs to paint as the villains in the fairy tale. Mm-hmm. You have to have a bad wolf or a little red riding hood just doesn't look pathetic. Right. Um, and and a, so, a lot of these people are also Christians too, aren't they, Tim? I mean, for example, uh, there's some beautiful poetry uh, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's provided in the book and, and also art. Uh, one of these is called The Gift. I just want to read this one. Yeah. Uh, Offering up my soul to Christ, a baby born into the night, Clothe in my sins no longer, my sins no longer suffice. I now stand before Christ, no more scars, pain and worry drift afar. Uh, that's just an example, one of the examples of these courageous people uh, and these letters and, and uh, the artwork that they're doing, um, you know, just gives you an idea of uh, what kind of people are there. Um, do you think it's coincidental that many of the people who are being Hell right now are Christians, or do you think that's also by design? No, that's that. Uh, it may not be by design, but is it is by affiliation? Yeah. Because what yeah. do Christians stand for? Um, what what do Christians believe in? What is the Judeo-Christian ethic that this that our country is founded upon? Um, these are important concepts to Americans, and yes, religion has taken a back seat in the last few generations. And perhaps that's a cause of all of this. But many of the people, in fact, I would say almost all of the people that I deal with on a day-to-day basis on this front line of resistance is they're Christians. They are devout Christians. They, they believe in the power of prayer, but even more so they believe that God works through man. Um, mm-hmm. And that action is the, is the antithesis of being on your knees is to get up and to work. Joshua wasn't on his knees. Uh, you know, none of the people, none of the warriors of the Bible were on their knees when they right. were doing work. Uh, when evil has to be conquered, that's when you stand. And that's what so many of these people, I, I just, I feel so privileged at this time of my life to be a senior. You know, I mean, most of us are at this age, we're like, oh, my golf clubs are getting too heavy. <laughs> to be re-energized, to have a purpose and to meet the, I can only describe them as true American heroes, people who just stepped out of their ordinary life, out of their comfort zones, have thrown their trade, just like our founding fathers, have thrown their treasure, their possessions, their family and their sacred honor into this fight to try and save this country. And it is it is just amazing um, that, to see the, and these people in action. I'm I'm I'm, I'm honored. But at the same time, I'm dumbstruck. Yeah. Um, that these folks can can just rise to this occasion. And we need more people to do that. There is an American spirit, just like there's a Canadian spirit. 
mm-hmm. of freedom, of, of patriotism, of belief in the, in the, the real meanings of our country and its people. And mm-hmm. we feel that being eroded here in the U.S. And I think many in Canada do, too, in some right. of the provinces. And uh, the only thing that will stop that is people arising to do their duty. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you shirk duty, then duty, then you, you basically have no action. If you have no action, then there can never be change. Well, that's well said. Um, I think one of the things, one of the reasons why Christians are either targeted or let's say are casualties of this of this conflict is because as Christians, we hold uh, ourselves beholden to a power that is higher than the state and the new state religion of secularism, progressivism or wokeness, whatever name you want to put on it, um, they have to replace and supplant the traditional religion, the religion that clearly comes through, for example, in the Declaration of Independence. Um, they have to replace that with this new progressive. They cannot countenance uh, the, this this other religion. They have to stamp it out and wipe it out. And uh, what they're trying to do is actually not original. It's been happened for over 2,000 years. Uh, fortunately, Christianity is 2,000 years and undefeated. And and uh, the, what what happens and, and I what seems to be happening. Correct me if this is wrong. As bad as this is in terms of what's happening to these good people, many of them Christians, it is galvanizing them. Uh, it is making it is developing a, a movement uh, against the sort of tyranny of the state uh, that people like uh, you know Joe Biden and the Democrats and in our country Justin Trudeau and the Liberals are trying to create. Um, would you would you agree with that analysis? I yeah, but at the same time, I think there is a rising tide. I, I can't speak for Canada, although I think the convoy is a pretty good example. Yes, the rising is. tide. Yeah, um, as as harshly as a government pushes back against anybody who rises to speak, that should be the giveaway that this is an important topic. That yes. the government cannot book the opposition because they cannot stand the contention. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the case here in America that we that we see this the the conservative right is is very religious in nature and so they base as you say they base their authority on a higher a higher cause a higher mission. Right. The left has no god. Their god is government. Their god is yes. big big authority. It is a hollow god. It, it it's basically, you know, does not even made of gold, folks. Um and and at the same time they are as fanatical about their God as Christians can be about theirs. And, yes. and this is this is the battle of good and evil, right? I mean, it's, it's yeah. antithetical. It's written about over and over again in the Bible and through ancient texts throughout time. And, and I feel that it, for us in America, we are being tested. Right. Um, book one, book one covered these 35 of these guys lives from September mm-hmm. of 2021 when they had just begun to get accommodated, I mean, some of them have already been in prison for five and six months. The the uh, the claustrophobia of solitary confinement 23-1 was beginning to lessen a little bit. And so uh, people had begun, Patriot Mail Project had cranked up in July. And by August and September, we were exchanging mail with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the mail that started coming back out, you, you see this, this rise of a religious intensity, as we mm-hmm. all see. We'll, where, where did Christ go for his for his uh, his theophany? He went to the desert in isolation, right. where yes. all of these people have gone and sought solitude so that they could hear mm-hmm. the word of God within them. 
that's yeah. what's happening to so many of these people. I think the government mm-hmm. think that wanted to treat them like they were lumps of coal and we're just going to grind them into right. dust. Right. Uh, stupid people. They made diamonds. Uh, these guys are, are resilient. They're patriotic. Um, and in book two, where I pick up their story in September of 2022, and this book will come out in December. Right. It's called The Art of Confinement because they've gone from that period of, of the roughness of understanding the persecution or not understanding the persecution, maybe um, the confusion, the, the, the pain, the betrayal um, into this phase where they sing the national anthem together to show their fealty to their country, despite their government's betrayal. They right. write letters of encouragement to their supporters, for God's sake. I got the guy that I write to. He keeps going, man, I got so much money. You know, you should just take some money for the things that you do for us. We could never do that. But just the heart of these guys who are locked in prison, limited to a small commissary, persecuted. They're underwater, would bankrupt with their legal bills. They can hardly ever find attorneys to represent them. And all they want to do is help their supporters. Yeah. Uh, these are these are angels and and the supporters are angels and uh and this is all i i mean i don't know how else to describe them other than heroes Um, it's so remarkable what you say about how um you know as you say the the sort of the 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 coal being pressured into diamonds we talked about you know solzhenitsyn and his example he was actually a hardcore marxist leninist he was in a captain the russian army and he was in prison simply because he wrote a letter uh, to a, to someone he thought was a friend criticizing Stalin. And this is part of the extreme psychological violence that you talk about. People are put into a situation they never could have imagined they could be placed in, really doing anything, uh, doing things that they never thought were, uh, you know, would result in imprisonment. And Solzhenitsyn came out at the end of his imprisonment, actually a very devout Russian Orthodox Christian. Uh, so there certainly is a lot of uh, truth to what to what you say. I wonder, Tim, if you could talk a little bit about how the people who are imprisoned in the United States are being denied due process. You know, why can't they get bail? Why 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 are they being denied, and how are they being denied? That is it is it because they're regarded by by the by the Department of State uh, and Justice as uh, terrorists? Is that is that the answer, or why, yeah, why, threat, why can't they seem to? Be- Threat to the public, I think, is the term they like to use. However, uh, these people are anything but threats to the republic. The guy with the horn hat is a threat yeah, to the I mean, These are retired army officers. You know, I've already told you about Green Berets. Jeremy yeah. Brown here in my state is another retired. Yeah. Jeremy was the poster boy, for God's sakes. You know, the, if anybody went, went to a recruiting station, they saw that poster for Green Beret with a guy with the face paint and he's bushing through. Yeah. That was Jeremy Brown. He's a 20-year wow. retired Green Beret. He's sitting in Citrus County Prison right now. So yeah. these are really um, these are times that are difficult for understand. How do we weigh these punishments that we're seeing coming out of D.C. with yeah. what we consider personally? I consider the severity of the crime versus our summer of love in 2020 when BLM and Antifa uh, burned almost 300 million dollars worth of cities down, mm-hmm. uh, took over, ex, you know, declared themselves uh, individual states within the city of Oregon and Washington. I mean, this was some crazy behavior and the government sat and watched it happen and did nothing. Um, and yet here, these people are being persecuted to the nth degree. You mentioned Enrique Torrio, um, 22 years. He's a proud boy. Enrique wasn't even in DC. Um, 
I, I actually published the uh, the conference call that he held where they're, they're, they're all saying, look, we're going to we're just going there. Nobody, nobody be drinking. Nobody be doing anything weird. You know, no weapons. We're going just to be peaceful that day. I mean, it's all laid out. And yet they still came out with a conspiracy and an insurrection charge and give him 22 years. And now now the prosecution comes back and wants to appeal the sentence because they want to give him more. Incredible. Yeah, wow. this is incredible. And, and here's the problem. Um, ordinary Americans who sit and watch this on television or who sit and maybe listen to this podcast or who watch this or maybe read Epoch Times or Gateway Pundit and they hear these stories and they go, damn, that's a shame. Well, they didn't read Solzhenitsyn because he yeah. tells you right up front, um, silence is complicit. Yes. If you know about it and you don't do anything about it and you sit there and watch it, you will be next. There's a, a famous poem called When They Did Nothing. Are you familiar with it? Yes. Yes. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, Reinhold Muller, I believe, is the. Yeah. Yes. Jeremy yeah, Brown rewrites it at the end of book one. Jeremy Brown rewrites it and says when they did something. Yeah. Um, and, and that is the story of January 6th. This is the day that they did something when they executed their constitutional rights to ask redress from their Congress that they did not believe that the election had gone the way they could not understand the mechanics of it or the numbers or the mm -hmm. rapid changes in, in the numbers and, and the ascendancy of the leader in the, in the system. And I think that all of those things um, were earnest reasons to be there that day, were legal reasons to be that day, were were dutiful reasons to be there that day as American right. citizens. Yeah. Uh, and so that is, that is the, the dichotomy that we're faced with is like, we did the right thing and we're being punished for it. Right. Uh, and it's not just unique to the United States for the benefit of the people viewing this in the U S and, and also the, for Canadian viewers right now, we have uh, two of the leaders of the freedom convoy, Tamara Leach, uh, and, and others who are in Ottawa right now, in and Chris Barber, we're going through what's turning out to be a show trial, uh, and the case is is falling apart. That trial has now lasted longer than the Freedom Convoy itself. But Tamara Leach spent uh, considerable time uh, in remand and in, in jail uh, pre-trial, and we have four men in Coots, Alberta who were involved in a, in a protest that was uh, around the same time as the Freedom Convoy. And they're much like the, the January 6th people that we're talking about and that they have been remanded without bail uh, since the early part of 2022 for nearly two years. And they're, they're essentially um, fighting to get due process, but they're being treated essentially as political prisoners. And so uh, the weaponization of the state to yeah. suppress dissidents uh, is not something that is unique to the U.S. It's happening throughout the West. And it's something that for those of us who uh, remember a, a, a different time, um, it's very shocking, isn't it? Yeah, and we've given it a word here in the U.S. We call it lawfare. Um, yeah. It's a subversion of the function of justice in order to uh, persecute and to uh, dethrone your political opponents. And yeah. that is something that is, is certainly... Um, contrary to the concepts of our founding fathers and our constitution. I think it's, it's antithetical to most uh, Americans belief in the way things should work here. And there's a, there's a very big question about the competency of our leadership right now. Yes. 
Um, yes. Even our Congress appears to be just mm -hmm. constantly in internecine strife. They can't seem to get it together. They can't seem to figure out how to spend money. Listen, right. folks, when my bank account says zero, I got to wait till the next Social Security <laughs> yeah. check. I it's don't the get exact same in Canada. Yeah, I don't exact go to the grocery Canada. store and go, hey, I'm just going to sign this document. You just give me what I want. That's not how it works. Um, and so why should government not be those have to rule by those same rules? It, it's, it seems pretty clear to anyone paying attention that these leaders, as you described them, are all reading out of the same playbook. Uh, Justin Trudeau and, and Joe Biden uh, basically brand these people who are peaceful protesters as terrorists. So, and they make the, someone who is a, a dissident who disagrees with the, what the state is doing, but is you know just exercising their civil liberty to exercise peaceful protest against the government. That now is synonymous with terrorist, and this is permitting them to imprison people arbitrarily and deny them due process. Um, and so, it really, you know, your poem you were describing about Nazi Germany. Um, you know, is very, very appropriate here. And people should understand, um, you know, no one's safe in a state that operates in this way. No one is safe. Uh, and so we all we all need to really get involved and support these people who are in prison, don't we? We do. Um, do you remember Benjamin Franklin uh, once said that, that those who would trade uh, yes. freedom for safety deserve neither? Yes. Um, and that's what we did here in the United States. I'm just going to be very frank about it. I, I'm, I'm an American. I'm, I'm a senior citizen. I, I have I, I have permission to be honorary and to speak my mind, according to my constitution. Certainly on this show. That's why we brought you on. <laughs> and, uh, and, and my opinion is, is that the United States has gone through a, um, a crisis of internal culture and that yeah. we we see this willingness of the after we were attacked on 9-11. Mm -hmm. The nation went into kind of a shock state where yeah. almost like you were in an auto accident and you're stumbling around out outside the vehicle and there's glass everywhere. You have no idea where you are or what happened until an EMT comes up and grabs you and tries to get you on a stretcher. You're just in a state of shock. And so almost anything, anybody who would run up to help you would be acceptable. And there came the Patriot Act in America. Yeah. And that Patriot Act opened the door for everything that you're seeing happening to these people today. And in many cases, uh, we're not going to go deeply conspiratorial, but in America, we call this worldwide conspiracy that we see in the coordination of leaders of countries that seem to be moving in this direction. New Zealand, Australia, Great Britain, Canada. We see this domino falling effect mm -hmm. of leaders who seem to be following an agenda that is not of ours. It's a big club and folks, you and I aren't in it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and the, the And there, and we call it the deep state in America, you know, that right. there's this serious worldwide force that is that is led by oligarchs and, uh, yeah. and the few moguls of media who want to see the world be a very different and controlled place than it is today mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and, and feel that, that humans are should be countable elements and not right. individuals. Yeah. And so that's what we battle. That's what you're battling with Trudeau. That's what we're battling with Biden, with Harris, with all these corrupted members of Congress who have been purchased by lobbyists in foreign countries. Um, we in America are deeply ashamed. I am deeply ashamed of the of the corruption that I see at the executive and the congressional branches of our government. It is a, a, a stain that must be cleaned.
mm -hmm. um, whatever it takes to clean that stain from our country. Because without it, people do not respect it. If you do not respect the authority of government and you basically the government doesn't respect the authority and the power of citizens, you no longer have a contract as a country. Yeah. You simply have borders, you know, and, and a lot yeah. of barbed wire. Tim, I'd, I'd like to get your take on something else. It just happened recently. Um, and that is, we, you know, with what's happened over on October 7th in the Gaza Strip in Israel, uh, there's been the rise of Palestinian protesters that have engaged in, in, in protests very similar to January 6th. In fact, uh, I saw a video of, of some Palestinian protesters even uh, getting inside the gates and approaching the White House. And and also going and uh, you know doing 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 sit-ins at uh, you know in the offices of of congressmen and senators, yep. and yet they're being treated very very differently than the January six protesters, aren't they? Do you do you, what's your take on that? Well, I, I, I like I, who knows what kind of jail I'll end up for telling you what I think <laughs> about that. But but the reality is, I do feel that this is a this is a one-sided system of government now. Um, they have an agenda that is being fulfilled. BLM and Antifa don't realize it, but they are the pawns. They're the ones being right. manipulated. Do you yeah. think that when all of this is over, that there will not be a, a, a demand for just retribution? Certainly yeah. there will be. And, and I don't know where that will lead. I, I, I would hate to think that America could ever degrade to a civil war. But my concern is that no matter who wins the 2024 election, the other side will lose their minds. Mm -hmm. um, and this this infectious disease of rampage. I don't know how. I, what other word could you call it? It's, it's rampage, right? Um, because you don't get your political way. Yeah. The le the left is is really violent. The right is not. Yet we're the ones that are called racist. We're the ones that are called insurrectionists. We're the ones that are called terrorists. And yet it's the left that does all the damage. Uh, and so you, nobody can look at that and say, yeah, this system of justice is equal and fair. This government is equal and fair. This, in America, we have lost our balance. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. These guys in these letters are just pleading with the, their supporters and pleading with America. And I just want to stop for a second. When I started getting these letters, they were kind of like this one I got, which says, dear Tim, dear Mr. Rivers, dear Mr. and Mrs. Rivers. That, that's how they were. You know, when they started coming back, that's how they were addressed. Right. And then I started publishing these letters and these guys with the feedback, you know, prisons have their own grapevine as well. And the feedback is, oh, my God, our letter, somebody, somebody read your letter, Joe. It was a, they read it on the air the other day. And, was, and these guys begin to realize that their messages were reaching America beyond just the individual that they were writing back right. to. And the letters, the letters changed. They went, dear America. Dear American patriots, dear patriot family. So what had happened is this wasn't my mail anymore, even though it was coming to my address. Um, and it was a response to something that I had sent out into the world. It wasn't my mail. Right. It, it was now it was now meant for America. And, mm -hmm. and that's why we started publishing these. But as we published them, other people started sending us their letters as well. We just started getting floods of letters that people had gotten back from these prisoners from all across the country. Um, and they got so numerous that my the, the person I started J6 News with, Marie Goodwin, just said, you have to do something more with these letters and just 
throw them into the echo chamber. That was the genesis yeah. of the book then, yeah. That's how the book got started. And you, you also published them on a podcast. You have the Political Prisoner podcast, right, Tim? Yeah, we have a number. I mean, and now we do it all over the place. I'm on, I do yeah. a Freedom Friday on Lindell TV, number two, every Friday at noon, uh, CST. We do, basically, we have, we have tried to become the loudspeaker. Um, the right. megaphone for these guys, because they are silenced. They are uh, just for speaking out. They're punished and they're restricted and they have their rights taken away and their phone privileges denied. They're mail blocked. and uh, But somebody has to speak out for them because their message is very important. And they are screaming a warning to America There's, and, and to Canada, to yes. everybody who loves freedom. They are screaming a warning that if you look at what's happening to me and you do nothing, you're next. Right. You are next. Um, when I when I interviewed Enrique two days after his sentence, he said, you want to know who I'm meeting in these holding cells as I'm waiting to be moved to a BOP facility? I'm meeting people who did who were working in the election system, who basically are protesting the election. They're in here waiting to go to prison. I'm meeting people who stood outside abortion clinics and protested. They're waiting to go to prison. Mm. I'm meeting ministers who were basically arrested for holding church curse services during COVID and they're going to prison. Yeah, we had and those in is, Canada. This is, yeah. yeah. Are you, and, and see, we don't hear this on MSM. You yeah. want to, MSMDC will not tell you this. Neither will CNN. I'm not sure what the news services are in Canada. Maybe Reuters. You're not going to hear that there, folks. The only place yeah. that this information is coming out is within the conservative media. Right. which is deeply, deeply shadow banned and covered over. Um, and so that's where shows like yours are so important. If you reach 10 people, that audience is smarter than the way you left them, uh, more informed and less less uh, liable to fall for the lies mm. that the mm -hmm. mainstream moguls want to And also out. encouraged, encouraged. You know, we give, we're giving hope, right? That's a big part of what you're doing through your project. And you're giving more than hope, though. You're actually raising a lot of money to help these people, aren't you? I mean, that's that's something we should mention. It's a beautiful book, but but all the work that you're doing is aimed at raising money to support these these brave people who are in prison and their families. Correct? That's correct. I signed the rights of the book over to a nonprofit I created called the American Gulag Chronicles. Book one, by the way, is called Letters from Prison. Right. Book one yeah. is American Gulag Chronicles: Letters from Prison, and you can find it at a really simple place: lettersfrompris.us. Okay. Um, and it gets you to the book and all the proceeds from the book, 100% of the proceeds after print and ship um, go to support these men and their families through this. Um, I, we don't, we don't think too much about the families when you read the news or you're talking about a J sixer, but the reality is, is they are wounded more deeply than the prisoners. Um, they're breadwinner. They're, yeah. they're head of household. Yeah. Um, the takedowns have left children and, and spouses with PTSD unable to sleep at night. People have lost their homes and their houses and have their children living with relatives. The, the horror stories of the persecution that is spread as collateral damages to the families and friends and, and even associates. I just interviewed Captain Gabe last week in Miami after I attended a Mar-a-Lago event. And he related to me a bioterrorism attack on his business because he was a J6er. And when the FBI came down after Hazmat had sealed off blocks, collected the white powder, put everybody through quarantine, they go, well, why would anybody do this to you? And he says, well, sir, I'm a J6 defendant. The FBI packed up and left and didn't look any further. That's Incredible. a bioterrorism attack in downtown Miami in U.S. soil. And we're not going to investigate it because yeah. you, you, you don't really think well of our government.
So these are the things that I, that are just outside the ken of most people's belief structure. Mm -hmm. If you didn't hear these people tell it to them themselves, if you didn't read it in their letters, if you didn't have the authenticity of hearing it directly from them, you wouldn't believe it because right. it, it's you can't make it up. It's just yeah. that crazy. So the the book that you mentioned, the first one, it's a beautiful book, by the way, the American Gulag Chronicles Letters from Prison. It's a collection of prisoners dispatches, as we've been hearing over the past nearly two years as pretrial defendants from squalid, inexplicably cruel conditions in jails across the United States that will leave a hard forgotten scar on that nation's conscience for many years. So the book is a chronicle of those uh, represent the, the bellwether for the storm for conservative dominance, a group of people who are being imprisoned and persecuted for a cause they believe in by a government that views them as enemies of the state. And so this book is their story in their own words, written by their own hands. So that's the first book. The second book that's coming on December uh, is takes this now a, a step further and and deals with what's happened since their imprisonment and how, how they're fighting this fight. Is that correct? Yeah. It, uh, the first book covers, as I said, September 2021. Uh, these many people have already been in there three to six months and takes it through uh, one full year into September 2022. The second book picks up where that leaves off. But I think you'll find that the, the tone of the first book and the letters is a little more militant because there is a, a just anger, um, a resentment, right. a feeling of betrayal, right, that mm -hmm. comes through in their letters and even comes through in my introduction. <laughs> because uh, when, I, when I started this, after reading that first letter I told you about from Jeff McKellar, I was literally in a fugue state for a day or two. I just, um, I just could not believe that you would treat an American hero this way because I worked through most of my career with IBM. I worked with uh, military and special forces. I have a okay. deep respect for them. Um, but then I couldn't believe that you would do this to any American, not just to, for, I mean, gosh, a war hero, forget it, but to just any American for upholding their rights, un unconstitutional right. To, to assemble and to seek redress. These things just um, completely changed my persona into somebody called mm -hmm. Furious Tim. Um, yeah. And that that comes through in these letters and in my introduction. But in book two, we've moved into another phase. We've moved into trials, sentences, even some people having served their sentence and now trying to return to a normalcy of life and finding everything stacked against them. Um, right. The second book is more spiritual. Um, th that's what comes through. There's still amazing art, stories, poems. Um, yeah. it, it's still mind boggling. In fact, the art, I think the art in book two is even superior to the art in book. Well, two. The, the first book is, is beautiful to, to look at. It's very colorful and wonderful poetry. Uh, and uh, I think, I think people will really enjoy it just on that level. Of course, it's got a tremendous, uh, unique human story to tell as well. So yeah. these books are both available on the website you want, and we're going to provide a link to that. Yeah. Um, but you also have another really important event coming up in December that's connected to Christmas. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah. So again, how, how did I get into this? I, you know, I, I wrote to somebody through the Patriot Mail Project. That's Patriot Mail Project, all one word, dot com. And this is where we keep track of the prisoners. Again, this was a holdover from the Bundys in the, in the Oregon standoffs with Bureau of Land Management. It was created to, to form a link 
between patriots in the free world and, and those who were being imprisoned for their political and, uh, and anti-regime beliefs. Right. And that was reactivated for J6ers on July 4th of 2021. And so this becomes a vehicle for people to get involved. It's really simple. It costs you an envelope and a 60 cent stamp. And the letter you will get back in all probability will will make you'll, you'll it'll be a million times uh, worth what you put into it just in the right. gratitude. I keep telling some of these folks who are my my basic writers who over and over again, you'll see them in the book. They're they're the writer who writes to the person and gets the reply back. And it's just like if gratitude was currency, they would be millionaires because right. the gratitude of somebody who is locked behind bars, who feels they are forgotten to receive a letter of support, to, to know that somebody knows they're there, that somebody knows why they're there, that somebody believes and supports in the cause, it means the world to them. It mm -hmm. sustains them. It's yeah. why we created the project. And, and this bleeds into the families, too, because we take care of the families this way. When you go to PatriotMailProject.com, you can search by state, by name, however you want to look for somebody to, to become a pen pal to. An mm -hmm. angel is a better word for it. But their family is behind them. When you support them, their family receives this benefit of knowledge that more than this, them are worried about their loved one. And, yeah. and through this project, we also, through the book, obviously, the proceeds of the book go to take care of the families, get the prisoners to trials, try and take care of them the way they come out. But yeah. through the Patriot Mail Project, this is our third annual Christmas project for the families of J6 prisoners. Mm -hmm. um, many of these people are penniless now. Um, they've yeah. lost, they've, okay, this is horrific. Veterans who are not even convicted have had their VA benefits and their base privileges revoked. Men who have been convicted, who have paid into the IS, the, the FISA system their entire life, have had their social security benefits to them and their wives and widows mm -hmm. cut off. Mm -hmm. This is a, this is an attempt to, to drive these people into penury. Yeah. Um, and, and so they need the help. And so that's where this money goes to. But the children, more than anything, are victims here. Right. They're left without a parent, in some cases without the parent. I've got a single mom who's going away now. We're trying to find people to take care of her, her eight children, eight children. Wow. Eight children. And you're sending this woman to prison for protesting with a hat and a sign. Um, wow. And so this, this is yeah. where the Christmas project comes in. Right. You can help. You can be an angel to these children and these families in need this Christmas to, to lighten the sorrow and the burden that they feel from this persecution. And it, I swear to you, it, it will, it will make you feel like a million dollars. Yeah. Um, well, God bless you for, for spreading salt, salt and light. You know, as you were talking, it reminded me of a, of a verse of the new Testament, Matthew five, verse 14, "Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Uh, so yeah, people listening in, please get involved with this Christmas project. You bring so much hope and light to, to people who are really suffering and who really need to, to hear from you and need your support. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, uh, that's, uh, our, our reading list, which we normally, uh, finish off with. Of course, your first book is featured and the second one. People can look forward to that. The, the other book that I have, I had mentioned, and I've talked about a little bit on the show, um, is the Gulag Archipelago. This is uh, oh, yeah. a book that's been around for a long time. It's in many different editions. Um, I warn people, it's in three volumes. And uh, some of it is pretty dense reading. But essentially, this is, this won a Nobel Prize from Alexander Solzhenitsyn 
Uh, it's considered a towering masterpiece of world literature. It's a searing record of four decades of terror and oppression in Wonderbridge volume authorized by, by the author. And essentially what he, did is, what he does is he drawing on his own experience before, during, and after his 11 years of incarceration and exile uh, on evidence provided by more than 200 fellow prisoners and on Soviet archives, Solzhenitsyn reveals with uh, torrential narrative and, and dramatic power the entire apparatus of Soviet repression, the state within the state uh, that once ruled all powerfully with a creation by Lenin in 1918. And as our guest has been talking about, uh, you know, the, the, the people who are trying to make a god of the state, uh, the, you know, the globalists who are at work influencing what's happening in countries like the United States and Canada and Britain and elsewhere, this is their goal. They want to create a society like this where uh, they can imprison people arbitrarily, uh, deny them civil liberties, uh, to suppress their individuality, to, to deny them their, their right to exercise their, their religious beliefs and to practice their religion. Uh, the, the destruction of families. This was all part of the agenda that that Tim Rivers and, and the January 6th uh, group that he's involved in uh, are trying to, to to fight and they're helping the people who are being, who are being suppressed by, by governments. And it's very important that we support organizations like Tim's because it's, it's not just unique to the United States. It's happening in Canada and elsewhere. And it's also really important, I think everybody who's listening to my voice understands this, you know, if the U.S. falls, we're all, we're all in, deep, in deep, deep trouble. Everybody realizes that the United States is, uh, well, Dennis Prager called it the last, the last great hope uh, for civilization. Uh, and, uh, and so we really all have a vested interest, an important interest in, in helping these people uh, who have been jailed uh, under January 6th uh, tyranny. So throw it over to you, Tim. Um, for the final word, we want to thank you so much for being our guest here. Um, is there, are there any other books or materials or websites uh, that you would refer people to so they can learn more about what, the work that you're doing and perhaps uh, gen just generally about the, about, about the topics that you've been sharing with us today? You know, you heard of pictures worth a thousand words, right? I, I urge yes. you to go to Stop Hate. That's easy, right? StopHate.com. Look at the the, uh, the documentaries that are there. It's called one is called Bloody Hill, the other one's called Writing History. And mm. once you watch those videos, I think a lot of things will become clear. There's another one coming out that's called J6: The Real Timeline. It'll come out in December, about the same time as our second book, Art of Confinement. And um, and it is it is an amazing timeline that shows you exactly what happened from start to finish that day, from when they were all the way down by the White House, all the way through the end of the uh, the violence that occurred at the Capitol, and you'll see exactly what happened that day. I just watched um, Police State by, I don't normally pitch other people's stuff, but yes. I just watched Police State by Dinesh D'Souza. And yes. folks, you yes. got to watch that one. That one is 100% accurate to the bone. Mm -hmm. um, that is exactly what happened to these people, how they were taken down. And he exposes the underbelly of the deep state that is trying to fundamentally change our country into something that is unrecognizable to many of us. So I think those are, are very important uh, films and documentaries. Um, I could go on and on about books because I'm an avid reader, but I do think that seeing it for yourself, uh, especially going to Stop Hate and watching these documentaries, seeing yeah. the evidence for yourself will help you understand better that day 
and, and make up your own mind. Don't listen to the Murdoch mogul um, and all their different outlets of, of lies. We are living a history of lies now. Mm-hmm. It's time to see truth for yourself. Well, thank you for that, Tim. And thank you for those suggestions. Uh, really, and, and really so grateful for the book and for all the work that you're doing. God bless you and, and the work that, uh, that everyone in your organization is doing to help these people. And really, on behalf of everyone who loves freedom, and especially those of us who are Christians, uh, it, it, is, it is truly inspiring to see the work that you're doing. We all know why you're doing it, and uh, your heart is, uh, is, is, is as big as the state of Florida uh, for, you know, for doing this. And uh, thank you so much for being on our program and sharing all of this really vital information with us. It's been uh, a great learning experience. I'm sure everyone too, who's, who's spent this hour with us uh, has, uh, has really learned a great deal about what's really going on in the deep state, as you put it, and the globalist agenda that uh, those of us who care about freedom uh, and, and really uh, love uh, and, and our, fellow, our fellow man uh, are all very, very interested in preserving and promoting. So thank you so much for being our special guest today on Gray Matter. It's been our absolute pleasure to host you today. Thank you so much. Appreciate you having me on. And remember, folks, don't do nothing. Great advice. <laughs>